Scarlteen.com. Sex Ed for the Real World. Inclusive, comprehensive, supportive sexuality and relationships info for teens and emerging adults. Love the Glove. 10 Reasons to Use Condoms You Might Not Have Heard Yet by Heather Corinna. At the present time, the United States now rules when it comes to sexually transmitted infections, STIs, and not in a woohoo, go USA kind of way. You've probably also heard that the rate of sexually transmitted infections in people 15 to 24 years old is exceptionally high. Figuring out why isn't tricky for those who work in sexual health. Some people will say this is because teens are having more sex than ever. Not true. You're having less sex than teens a generation or two before you did, or because people are having sex outside marriage. A fine fairy tale for those who don't see lab results for STIs among married people, some of them, or who don't know about the history of STIs. But those of us who work in direct care know why STI rates are so high and why they're so disproportionate in young people right now. It's primarily because so many young people, and namely those in the 18 to 24 group as younger teens are often better with condom use than people of any other age group, are not using latex or polyurethane condoms and other barriers to protect themselves and their partners or are not using them correctly and consistently. As someone who talks with people every day about their sexual behavior and who also tracks young people's sexual behavior and health over time, I know this all too well. We observe users who come to Scarleteen and see that those who have not used latex barriers at all or consistently are overwhelmingly the same users who eventually come to report an STI. Sure, every now and then we do hear from a user who always used condoms properly and who still got an STI, but that happens about as often as I find a $5 bill on the sidewalk. There are other reasons the STI rate is so high in younger people. Cervical cell development of younger people isn't complete, making the cervix more prone to infection. People in your age group often tend to have more sexual partners and shorter relationships than older people. The overall rate of STIs is higher than it used to be, making it easier to land one. But we know that the main reasons that but we know that the main reason is that overwhelmingly many young many people in your age group are either not using latex barriers at all or not using them all the time, every time correctly. While many older adults aren't much better with condom use, it does matter more what you do because people between the ages of 15 and 25 account for nearly half of all new STI diagnoses every year. It's not complicated. Most people who acquire a sexually transmitted infection are simply not using condoms or not using them every time improperly. A report from Child Trends Data Bank in December 2013, based on data from the CDC, found in 2006 through 2010, among adolescents ages 15 through 19 who had sexual intercourse in the past four weeks, just under half of, ad- of adolescent females, 49%, and two-thirds of adolescent males, 67%, reported that a condom was used every time they have sex. In an October 2016 report, they add sexually transmitted infections, STIs, including HIV AIDS and unintended pregnancy are major health consequences associated with unprotected sexual activity. And in this report, they note that although a similar percentage of teens are sexually active in the United States as in Western European countries, the U.S. has much higher teen pregnancy and STI rates than does Western Europe. 
This is due to lower consistency and effectiveness of contraceptive use in the U.S. They add that condom use is higher among younger students than it is among older students. In 2007, 69% of sexually active 9th grade students compared with 62% of 11th graders and 54% of 12th graders used condoms. Part of this drop is due to higher levels of use of other forms of birth control among older students, although it is still a cause for concern since condoms are the only form of effective control against STIs for those who are sexually active. Condoms work very well at reducing STI transmission. According to a 2000 report by the National Institutes of Health, NIH, correct and consistent use of latex condoms reduces the risk of HIV slash AIDS transmission by approximately 85% relative to risk when unprotected, putting the seroconversion rate infection rate at 0.9 per 100 person years with a condom down from 6.7 per 100 person years. Analysis published in 2007 from the World Health Organization found similar risk reductions of 80 to 95%. The 2000 NIH review concluded that condom use significantly reduces the risk of gonorrhea for men. For men. A 2006 study reports that proper condom use decreases the risk of transmission of human papillomavirus HPV to women by approximately 70%. You can read more about STIs all over Scarleting, like here and here and here and here. They have the links, so I'll just um, put this in the episode description for you, and you get the picture. But you probably already knew why you should use condoms. Our users generally report higher use of condoms than the overall demographic. So maybe you don't even need to read what I'm about to say, but you probably also heard or thought some things about condoms that might be keeping you or others from using them or from using them consistently. I'm willing to bet you haven't heard everything I'm about to say. Even if you're already using condoms and using them every single time properly, I bet you know someone, a sibling, a friend, maybe even a sexual partner who could stand to hear some of this. So why use condoms and other barriers? Testing is also critical, but testing doesn't prevent infections. It just tells us what we have when we have one or not. Limiting partners is important, but many young people get STIs from their first or second partner. If we have no sex at all, that would make a huge difference in STI rates and having no sex at all is certainly the best way to prevent STI transmission. However, most people in their lifetimes, over 90% once they're 22, will have genital sex with partners, as has always been the case. So if we want to be genitally sexual with partners and prevent infection, latex barriers are the tools we have to do that with. Condom work. Condom effectiveness. Ah, cdc.gov. Latex. Anyone who tells you different is either misinformed or is intentionally misinforming you. All right. In a nutshell, one, because it can help you to get closer to because bare backing isn't as cool as you think three because chances are good that eventually you're going to either have to use condoms or knowingly be putting partners or yourself at a high risk of infection four because it pays it forward five because it feels good six because it helps you learn to be truthful in and with your sexuality and about sexuality in general seven because it can help because it can keep you from proving people right who say you don't have the maturity or the ability to have sex responsibly eight because if you're male you can help to show men are better than the lowest common denominator i'm sorry because if you're male you can help to show men are better than the lowest common denominator nine because being unassertive really isn't sexy ten because i love you for more details on all these points keep reading all right
Um, okay. One, because it can help you to get closer. I know I've heard some people say that condoms and other bears keep people from getting close too, but the folks I hear say that rarely seem to be rarely seem to be the folks whose relationships are all that close or intimate. The people I hear from who don't say that about condoms and who practice safer sex in relationships seem to be the ones getting close and feeling closer to each other. Avoiding potentially sticky or difficult conversations doesn't bring us closer, it keeps us apart. Asking someone to care for you in any way is not a barrier to intimacy. It's not asking that keeps space between you and yours. Having to discuss sexual anatomy, sexual health, or even just how to use condoms and use them in a way that works for both of you is not something that keeps people apart, but that brings people closer together. Talking about these things together, working through any misunderstandings or emotional issues around them, and having something that adds extra communication to any sex you're having are all the kinds of things that nurture closeness and real intimacy. Silence doesn't bring people closer. Communication does. A lot of what we hear young people say about not using condoms has to do with one or both partners finding it hard to assert themselves or being worried about a negative reaction. That's not about closeness. Even more troubling is a conversation about condoms that starts with, I don't want to use them because I want to be close, and often leads to a bigger discussion, which what comes out is, I'm scared to ask them to wear a condom. Being outright afraid to ask someone to do something to help safeguard the health the health of you both shows a serious capital letters lack of getting close or a desire to avoid getting close enough to find out if someone is or isn't the person you currently think they are or hope them to be. We can't say we and someone else are very close and at the same time say we feel scared of with or around them. When we're earnestly close to someone, we feel able to say or ask things when we don't know if we're going to get a positive response. If we want a close relationship, we have to not only say or bring up the things we know they'll they'll like hearing or have a positive reaction to, but the things when we're not so sure they'll like or which we know are loaded, but that we need to say and talk about for our well-being and health and the quality of our relationship. Two, because barebacking isn't as cool as you think. I've been having a sense of deja vu lately with someone when hearing some hetero girls say they're not into condoms or they wink and a grin or that they unlike those other girls who use condoms and who they tend to frame as killjoys are willing to go without condoms in this way. That rings of trying to aim for a certain social status by being the one willing to risk health and life for it. Well, a whole lot, a whole lot of nothing much. Oh, by this. Oh, by the way, this is not just happening to females. It happens to males. It happens to the entire human diversity. What I just read to you. No gender warfare, as I usually say. Why I'm having deja vu is because I'm old enough to remember why some gay guys were all about that. I remember seeing how many of them died or were part of others dying because of it, as well as how many of the men who bared back only because they didn't know what we and you now know, um, you know now about how to protect ourselves died from barebacking. That trend in the gay community was not only lethal, it also resented in those who were the least responsible, defining a whole group of people culturally in a very negative way that is still strongly harming the LGBTQ plus community. It hurts all of us, not just the people who it hurt directly. Oh, by the way, um, S- STI, STD rates are higher among 
heterosexual people than members of the LGBTQ plus community. So no, I'm not creating a gender and sexual diversity warfare. So don't believe any of the bullshit stereotypes about any about any of these communities, period. I'm just telling the truth here. I am pro-gay community. So I don't believe in pitting humans against other humans. That's that's a no-no. That's a hell no-no. That's a all hell to the no-no. All hell to the nah-nah. You know what I'm saying? Okay. On top of risking your life and health and any social status you might get from being the... The... The person who take big risks other persons don't is likely to be temporary and will also change very radically when you go from that hottie who doesn't make people use condoms to that that insert derogatory term for anybody of your choice here who gave everyone chlamydia, right? By the way, she should have said hetero women. Don't call women girls. All right. Not a pretty thing to say, I know, but it is what tends to wind up happening in the real world. The tide turns very quickly on... We're talking about society's bullshit against women. On women who are sexually active, period, in our culture. Period, meaning capital letters. Even responsible, but all the more so for those who aren't responsible in their sexual behavior. I don't like that or the misogyny is based in. Thank you for saying that. As guys are rarely treated or talked about like that, unfortunately... But it's out there. It's tenuous enough to be a sexually active young woman, okay? Finally, she's saying woman. Great. But when things go amiss and you do wind up with and spread an STI, it's usually going to be framed as being your doing, not the doing of everyone or anyone else who had sex with you and made their choice not to use condoms, too. Those are strongly sexist double standards, but they're out there and they can really hurt when directed at you, especially if you have to suffer in silence alone, knowing part of that result had to do with your own choices and actions. From my point of view, when I see in in these cases a young woman having some big esteem, big esteem issues and who seems to feel it's worth it to risk her life and health for a temporarily increased sexual appeal, while our sexuality and our sexual relationships can support our self-esteem, they tend to be poor places to try and get self-esteem, especially if our sex lives involve a habit or precedent of not caring for ourselves and inviting or allowing others to treat us without real care. Lack of self-care and solid self-esteem can't coexist. If we have good self-esteem, we see ourselves as valuable and worthy of care. If your self-esteem isn't so great and you want it to be better, then insisting others treat us the insisting others treat us you care is one way to improve it. Accepting or advertising self is open to being treated like a throwaway is a way to make sure your esteem is to make sure your esteem gets even lower. Three, um, because chances are good that eventually you're going to either have to use condoms or knowing or knowingly be putting partners or yourself at a high risk of infection. If you have sex with others without using condoms or other bears correctly and consistently, you're likely to wind up with an, inf- with an infection at some point. 
And if you and your partners don't also get tested regularly, you, like most people in STI, won't even know you have one that you're spreading around. When we have users who interact with us at the boards talking about how they're not using condoms, it's a bit like being able to see into the future. Because inevitably, someone like that who sticks to that habit of going without will eventually post about an STI they wound up within a few years, if not sooner. A lot of people have a false sense of security based on not having gotten STI yet. Mind, some of these, some of those people haven't been tested to know their status, but some have. If you go without condoms or other latex bears for a few months or a few years and didn't get an STI, it could be easy to believe that not using condoms is going to work out fine for you. But because we don't wind up with an infection in a month or a year or two of not using bears doesn't mean we won't in time. The studies and statistics on STIs also tend to reflect that very clearly. The highest STI rates in young adults usually aren't in the youngest sexually active teens. The group with the highest rates is usually those 18 and over who have often been sexually active for a year or two already. And of course, if and when your luck runs out and you get an STI, especially if it's one you can get treated and which is then out of your system via the treatment, you will then either need to use condoms or be purposely putting others at risk and yourself at risk of infections you didn't get yet. It's a lot easier to establish your sex life and the habit of using safer sex practices than it is to add them later. If you start using condoms and getting tested early in your sex life, continuing to do so is a no-brainer. You get to be an ace at using barriers sooner. Get to learn how to have conversations about safer sex as you're learning to have all kinds of conversations about sex. And the more you do it and the sooner you start, the tougher it gets to space out safer sex. And the less and less it seems like any big deal. When it's a solid habit, you just reach for that condom instinctively. And when you reach for it like that, partners tend to react just as instinctively and just put it on with no fuss. Most people will need to use condoms at some point to avoid infections. If you're going to need to eventually anyway, why put it off, especially during the time of your life when you're at the highest risk of infections and most likely to get one? Just in case someone filled your head with bullshit about how latex bears work at preventing infections, a few words from our friends at the CDC. Laboratory studies have demonstrated that latex condoms provide an essentially impermeable barrier to particles the size of STD pathogens. Overall, the preponderance of available epidemiologic studies have found that when used consistently and correctly, condoms are highly effective in preventing the sexual transmission of HIV infection and reduce the risk of other STDs. Consistent and correct use of external male latex condoms can reduce, though not eliminate, the risk of STD transmission. To achieve the maximum protective F to achieve the maximum protective effect, condoms must be used both consistently and correctly. Inconsistent use can lead to STD acquisition because transmission can occur with a single act of intercourse with an infected partner. Similarly, if condoms are not used correctly, the protective effect may be diminished even when they are used even when they are used consistently. Um, number four, because it pays because it pays it forward. Younger people are particularly prone to monkey see slash monkey do. In other words, if you and yours don't use condoms, your friends are also less likely to, and then so are their friends and theirs and all young people. Using condoms not only protects your health, it protects and can improve our global health. If you don't get and spread an STI, you're part of the solution to the problem. You all by yourself literally can help improve the public health just by not getting sick. Sexually transmitted infections impact our public health deeply. While many are easy to treat once you get tested to know you have one, that is, and many won't impact the individual health of most who get them, we're not 
all at the same level of health, nor do we all have the same level of access to health care and treatment. Some STIs that are no big to most of us can be life-threatening to others because of pre-existing conditions or suppressed immune systems. You might be able to get something treated easily because you have health insurance, but someone who winds up with an STI from your now ex you gave one to might not have known the same resources. One thing I've always liked about using condoms is that I not only get to know I'm caring for my health and that of my partners, but that I'm caring for your health, her health, his health, and everyone's health. Everyone, the entire gender and sexual diversity, the entire diversity relationships, casual, non-casual, monogamous, non-monogamous, promiscuous, non-promiscuous, you know what I'm saying? The entire human diversity, that's what everybody means. Using condoms is one whack can to care for the whole planet while at the same time caring for myself. That's pretty awesome to be able to do with just a little piece of latex and an orgasm, the big O. Five, because it feels good. Because it feels good. Say what? You thought condoms made things feel less good, right? Actually, some studies sexual pleasure and condom use Mary E. Randolph, Stephen D. Pinkerton, Laura M. Bogart, Health Heather Cecil and Paul R. Abramson find that those who report that are often those who do not use condoms having it while or who don't use them often. They have also found that men believe this is so, even without any actual experience more than women do, and that belief influences men's experience with condoms and whether or not men will use condoms. Well, yes, many people do report that unprotected sex feels better than the protected sex. Overall, people who use condoms and are used to using them tend to report experiencing greater pleasure with protected sex than those who often go without protection. In other words, people who use condoms often, most likely because they had better attitudes walking in the door and because they learned what condoms they like and how to use them well, don't really express that using condoms decreases their overall pleasure or satisfaction. The more you use them, the more they feel good, and it's the people who don't use them at all who tend to complain about them the most. Even for men who report a difference in pleasure between condom and no condom, though, the differential is pretty minor between them and those who don't report a difference. And in studies on women... There's most often no real difference in satisfaction. There's most often no real difference in sensation reported at all physically. When we're talking only about physical sensation, for most men, condoms slightly decrease sensation. For people with vaginas, that's rare, which isn't a shocker since unlike the clitoris, the vagina has a few sensory nerve endings. The vagina tends to feel pressure but not find sensations, like the diff between a condom and bare skin. Mind for some men, that decrease can be a bonus. For those who are looking to keep an erection around for longer, a decrease in sensation in the pressure a condom puts at the base of the penis can, can extend erection time for some men. People who say they can't feel anything with a condom on are either A, being dishonest, or B, not using condoms properly. While a lot of people are dishonest, a lot of of people also don't know how to use condoms properly and what can help with pleasure. For instance, thinner condoms are just as safe as thicker ones. They're more condom types than what your average drugstore carries. And some kinds of condoms have all kinds of neat stuff going on to help increase pleasure like extra headroom, textured dots on the inside, the works. Putting a few drops of lube inside the condom before it goes on as well as some lube outside the condom makes a big difference with sensation and can make sex feel better full stop. Having a partner put on a condom for you as part of the sex you're having rather than as an interruption is something a lot of people find enjoyable and sexy. 
How something makes us feel with sex is also bigger than physics. A Kinsey Institute study 2008 relationships between condoms, hormonal methods, and sexual pleasure and satisfaction and exploratory analysis from the Women's Wellbeing and Sexuality Study, Jenny A. Higgins, Susie Huffman, Cynthia A. Graham, and Stephanie A. Sanders, Sexual Health, Volume 5, Number 4, found that women who use both hormonal contraception for those with male partners who need it and condoms report higher overall sexual satisfaction than women who go without condoms or only use a hormonal method of birth control. In that study, women who use hormonal methods alone were least likely to report decreased pleasure, but they also had the lowest overall scores of sexual satisfaction compared with condom users. What does that mean? That pleasure as a whole is more than just mechanics or vaginal slash penile sensation. Sex is about our whole bodies as well as other parts of our genitals and a condom touches. And it's also about how we feel emotionally and intellectually, how sex is part of our whole relationships and our whole lives. It feels good to know you're taking care of yourself and others and to have a partner give a fuck about your health and peace of mind. It feels good to have the self-esteem and the confidence to stand up for ourselves and what we need to stay healthy and to only be in relationships where caring for ourselves is in alignment with what a partner wants. If that's at odds with what they want, we can't possibly expect to have a healthy, happy relationship with that person. It feels good to approach partnered sex smartly and soundly. Knowing we'll be protected well before sex even starts is going to incline us to be more interested in having sex in the first place. What we know our risks of infections are highly when we know our risks of infections are highly reduced, it's much easier to relax before, during, and after sex, and being able to relax more means our sexual response systems work better so we can get more sexually aroused and enjoy sex more. Worry and anxiety inhibit sexual response and limits pleasure. Six, because it helps you learn to be truthful in and with your sexuality about sexuality in general. Let's tell the truth right now. You don't want to risk getting an infection. You don't want to feel like you can't ask to be cared for and treated with care with anyone you're sexually intimate with. You don't want to argue about condoms when you want to be sexual. You don't want to be with someone even casually who cares more about getting themselves off than if they make you really sick, make you really sick in the process of doing it. You don't want to have a sex life where it's not okay to press pause for a sec for any reason. Sec, S-E-C. Whether that's about a condom being put on or adjusting to find a position that feels best. You don't want to have to risk your health to prove your love or healthy lust to someone else and others. There are some fictions that avoiding safety behaviors like condom use holds up. Like the lie that sex should be all about either what pleases men first and foremost or about men calling on the shots just because they can again we're dropping denial here many guys who say they can't get off with condoms are not telling the truth some haven't even used condoms some haven't even used condoms and are just saying what they think they're supposed to or because they're embarrassed to admit they're newbies with condoms but some are outright lying they have used condoms before and gotten off just fine, and they haven't refused to use them with other partners who they know won't have sex with them without a condom. And some, when they say they can't get off with condoms, means something else. That what they get off on is seeing if you'll sacrifice your health and life just to get them off. Not only does anyone want to avoid having sex without a condom with a partner like that, you don't want to sleep with someone like that, period. Hell, you probably are safe as just staying off their block. 
Many people still believe the propaganda that there are microscopic holes in condoms that pathogens can get through easily, but that isn't true, and we haven't, and we have always had every evidence that wasn't so. Some people have the idea that people only use condoms with partners they feel or f- they feel or think are quote unquote dirty with. S- Sex workers are for extramarital affairs, but in fact, and even many married couples use condoms. Mmm. I just dropped a truth right there. A steamy truth right there. An uncomfortable one, in fact. According to a population reference borough survey in 2008, in developed countries, condoms are the most popular method of birth control. Around 28% of married people use condoms. Another whopper, meaning another lie. Only quote unquote promiscuous people get STIs. I put that in quotes because we don't even know what that term means. Promiscuous. Yeah, what does that mean? To one person, that means 300 partners. To another, 20. To another, anything more than one. Many people get an STI from just a first or second partner. Some people have had 50 or even 100 partners have never had an STI. Plenty of unmarried people have never had an STI, while plenty of married people have. One of the first big waves of sexual transmitted infections here in the States after World War I was among marrieds. All kinds of people get STIs. The idea that no one can or is likely to get an STI through first-time sex or sex with a first partner reminds me of the idea my mother's generation had that no one could get pregnant with first-time intercourse. It's understandable given how much cultural messaging cultivates this idea, but it's also just not true. People of all stripes get STIs every day. Good people and not-so-good people. People of all colors and genders and sex characteristics and orientations and identities. People who grew up on this on this side of the tracks and people who grew up on that one. People who have had five or twenty partners and people who have had but one. Then there's the fiction that it's not young people or people who with their first or second partnership have to worry about STIs, but older people. You already saw the stats about who has the highest rate of STIs, so we've hopefully shared that myth already. How about the one that says only gay men need to worry about STIs? Nope. The highest rates of STIs are young heterosexual women. Uh, even HIV once ignorantly, even HIV once ignorantly called the gay plague, is more likely to be transmitted via heterosexual partnerships than homosexual ones. And worldwide, heterosexual women account for more than half of all cases of HIV, ninety-eight percent of which are developed nations like the U.S. Okay, I want to add something here. You have lots of older people with STIs and STDs. You have lots of older people who don't use condoms consistently and correctly. You have lots of old people, older people, bare backing it and getting infected. You have lots of older people who are sexually irresponsible, sexually unaccountable, sexually unwise, and in sexually disastrous situations. It's not just a young people thing. Okay. Let's not forget the one about how as long as people love and trust each other or have healthy lust for each other because casual people do exist (laughs) or as long as people are lucky, no one is going to get sick. No one is going to get sick. That STI transmission is all about luck or love or trust and not about something much more tangible and less arbitrary. We can love someone all we want, but there are some things we can't control, like how many of us are exposed to STIs via 
right before we even choose to have consensual sex like how often partners even otherwise loving relationships are dishonest or unfaithful like how many people have already had sexual partners before they met a person they wanted to spend a life with it's important that we don't base our ideas about stis on a on a minority group or an unrealistic or unattainable ideal love means romantic for the serious relationships and love in the casual relationships means um, respect and compassion. Make it simple and plain and easy. People say if you only have one sexual partner who also has only you as a sexual partner and you both only have each other as sexual partners for your lifetime, you have no risk of STIs. Sparing STIs, which can be acquired non-sexually like oral herpes, HIV, or hepatitis, we can safely say that if all of those ifs are so, your STI risk would indeed be very low. Not none, very low. But the average age of first marriage right now is around 26. Few people less than 10%, according to the National Center for Health Statistics, have ever not had genital sex by that age. Many people also do not stay monogamous for a lifetime. The University of Washington's latest research on infidelity shows the infidelity rate for married men alone to be 28% at a minimum. Only 20% of American men and 31% of American women report having only one partner in a lifetime. If you and your partner feel lifelong monogamy from minute one is a sound reality for you and in alignment with what you want, we support you in this approach. Just know that overall an abstinence slash lifelong monogamy-based approach is unlikely to be a sound, safer sex plan for a majority of people and that you may need to adapt it at some point in your life. Okay. Um... Viruses and bacteria don't care who loves who or who trusts who. If we're exposed to the genitals or fluids of others, we're potentially exposed to STIs. If we reduce that exposure either by not having genital sex or by using latex bears when we do, we're much less exposed. If we go without, we're wide open to this shit, just like we are when someone coughs in our face. If your partner has a cold, we may get it whether they love us or not. If our partner has chlamydia, we may get it whether they love us or not. If we can't be truthful in our sexual lives about our sexual health and about how we want support from partners and staying healthy, we're unlikely to be able to tell that much harder truths that are part of a great sex life. Like to talk about what we like, what we fantasize about, what we're afraid of, what we're feeling emotionally, what we don't like. If we can't say no to sex without condoms, we also are unlikely to be able to say no to sex we don't want full stop. Asking someone to put on a condom is one of the easier things to ask for in our sex lives. If we can do that, asking for the other shit also gets easier. The more truthful we can be about all aspects of our sexuality, including things like STIs and condoms, the better our sex lives are, both when it comes to our health and also when it comes to our sexual satisfaction. Okay. Um, Oh, I'm almost done. Number seven. Because it can keep you from per- it because it can keep you from proving people right who say you don't have the maturity or the ability to have sex responsibly. Abstinence only initiatives, for instance, get away with what they do in part because some of the things they say are true. Some men people really don't. They say can't. And in certain numbers, it sure starts to look like it can't make smart choices with sex, even when they know better. If you read any newspapers, listen to any news, you know that the standard way teen 
a young adult sex case person is as a giant public health problem and big scary panic. When you face discrimination about your age and sexuality, that has a lot to do with that presentation. Some of why it's presented and interpreted that way is because it is that way, not because young people are having sex, but because some of you are, are without using safer sex and contraception. Right now and over the last 10 years as a generation, your sex life really is becoming a serious public health problem. Probably because you have not been using condoms or using condoms consistently and correctly. Do you really want to prove those folks right, really? Do you want to be the personal group of people who they can use as evidence to show that people in their teens and 20s should be treated like children? I'm sure wouldn't want to help anyone disrespecting me to be able to keep on doing it and doing it with evidence I'm handing right over to them wrapped in a bow. As a youth advocate, I can't, tell you, I can't tell you how many times I've had to argue that despite the way some youth behave, I know in my guts that you're all capable of handling, of handling your sexuality with care and maturity. It's so frustrating because I really do know that you are that capable. I see plenty of young people doing a better job with their sexuality than plenty of older adults are, but what I see and know is continually overshadowed by those who don't have sex with care and caution, and the reality of the level of STIs is in your age group. Yeah, I admit I'm asking you to use condoms to help make my job of advocating for you easier on me. Perhaps your competitive spirit might also get riled by knowing my generation did a better job than yours with condom use. From the same AAP report I linked to earlier, among sexually active adolescent males, 17 to 19 years old, living in metropolitan areas, reported condom use at last intercourse increased from 21% in 1979 to 58% in 1988. Reported condom use at first intercourse among adolescent women 15 to 19 years old increased from 23% in 1982 to 47% in 1988. Uh, data from 1988 and 1999 national surveys of adolescent males indicate that these increases continued. With reported condom use at last, intercourse among 15 to 19 years old, increasing from 57% in 1988 to 67% in 1995. The CDC data indicate increases in reported condom use at last, intercourse from 38% to 51% among females, and from 56% to 63% among males for those in grades 9 through 12 between 1991 and 1997. What about after the mid to late 90s? By 2003, we were still around that 73%, though Increase in condom use started to come to a standstill, then backpedal. Current data shows that only 45% of adolescent males report condom use for every act of intercourse, and that condom use actually decreases with age when comparing males 15 to 17 years old with males age, with ages 18 to 19 years old. Also, females report less frequent use of condoms during intercourse than males, presumably because many adolescent females are sexually active with older partners. Rates of pregnancies and STDs in females are unlikely to decrease beyond current levels unless condom use by adolescents and young adults continues to increase significantly in the years ahead. Condom use by one-half to, to two-thirds of adolescents is not sufficient to significantly decrease rates of unattended pregnancy and acquisition of STDs. Eight, because if you're male, you can help to show men are better than the lowest common denominator. The nationally representative sample of more than 3,000 U.S. men interviewed about condoms, the most frequently cited negative reactions were reduce the sensation, requires being careful to avoid breakage, requires withdrawing quickly, embarrassing to buy, difficult to put on, often comes off during sex, embarrassing to discard, shows you think partner has AIDS, and makes partner think you have AIDS. 
Um, let's briefly deconstruct these. Gander meat goose. If we're going to talk about condoms changing how sex feels, we need to remember that something like the pill does too. None like condoms, it changes how a person feels all the time, both during and outside of sex. And as someone who has had a barrier over a much sensitive part than the penis, the clitoris, and I've also used hormone medication, can tell you, and that's on top of knowing the data I do as a sex educator, a latex barrier when used properly doesn't change sensations more than most methods do for the people using them. Other methods of contraception can cause pain and cramping, unpredictable bleeding, urinary tract infections, depression, and a whole host of unpleasant side effects. Condoms are the least intrusive and demanding of all methods of contraception, even though some guys talk about them without considering this perspective, like they're the most. If guys could feel what life can be like on the pill, use a cervical barrier to get a depot shot. Use a cervical barrier or get a depot shot. They easily see condoms for the cakewalk they are. You have to be no more careful to avoid condom breakage than you have to be careful with someone's body during sex. If you engage with someone's genitals and treating them the way they need to be treated to avoid pain or injury, you're already being just as careful as you need to be with condoms. And if you're not, and if you're not treating someone else's body with care overall, you need to step it up and start doing that anyway. You can always, you also have the option of putting a new condom on and going back inside the vagina if that's what the both of you want. Condoms are no more embarrassing to buy than tampons. At least someone thinks you're about to get lucky for that matter. For that matter, they're not more embarrassing to buy than the magazines some of you read. And as you grow older, your embarrassing purchases list will increase anyway from Rogaine to hemorrhoid cream denture cleaner to adult diapers condoms are hardly the only thing you'll need to purchase in public sometimes you really wish you could buy privately welcome to adult life folks that said you always have the option of buying condoms online if you want they're only difficult to put on if you don't learn how practice makes perfect they don't come off often during sex unless you're not putting them on properly not adding lube when you need to and when you're partner would then likely need you to as well for them to still have sex feel good and when you're using a condom that isn't too big or too small for you again if tossing a condom in the trash is embarrassing how about tampons the medication you take for gonorrhea or dirty diaper condom use does not say you think someone has aids what it says to a smart partner is that you have a head on your shoulders you care about them and that you have the maturity to recognize that they shouldn't carry the responsibilities of sex all by themselves well some of these attitudes come from guys who are simply uninformed or misinformed for those who know better or should some of this shit is just plain fucking foolish and that's embarrassing though men's attitudes about condoms have more influence on whether or not condoms get used than women's attitudes do that's because a women's attitudes tend to be better b men as a class still have more power than women and more influence other and men influence other men more than women do and see you're most often the ones wearing them are the ones who make a fuss about wearing them don't make an ass out of yourself for short okay number nine and if you're and if you're all hung up on what's sexy being open about all parts of sex not just about what you might do to someone to get them off is sexy in most people's books being all ooh-ah about giving a blow job, deep throating, sucking dick, eating out pussy, going down on the pussy, or going down on someone. <laughs> but then recalling like a kid with mushy peas on their damn dinner plate about condoms doesn't tend to be a turn on for a 
whole hell of a lot of people. For some, including the person with that response themselves, it could be a pretty serious turn off. I'm older than I read this, but speaking for myself, when someone reacts that way, when I pull out a condom and they rarely do, I'm just done. It feels seriously uncomfortable, like I was about to be sexual with someone who isn't really ready for all of sex. Like I was about to be with someone who is emotionally and intellectually many steps behind me. That's not sexy to me at all. It sends a very clear message to my brain, the organ that drives most of our sexuality, that turns all of my turn-on signals into turn-off signals in two seconds flat. Assertiveness is sexy. Look at who you and the world as a whole tends to find sexy, and that's obvious. Being confident about caring for yourself and the firm belief and insistence anyone else you are sexual with must treat you with that same respect and care is sexy. Caring about yourself and your health and caring about the health of others is sexy. Having limits and boundaries you don't let anyone else trample on is sexy. Coming to, addressing, responding to the things that keep everyone as safe as possible during sex is sexy. Being confident in yourself and someone else that they've got some real maturity and smarts when it comes to sex is sexy. And there's absolutely positively nothing unsexy about handing someone a condom or a dental dam because you give a damn, then you're giving them as a way of cementing a great big wholehearted yes to you two being sexual together. What could be unsexy about that? Sexy is as sexy does. Sex is sexy and sexy is sex. There's no one way to be sexy no matter what anyone says. Being sexy is about how you feel sexy and sexual, how you project those feelings to others when you're feeling them. So for sure, if when it comes to safer sex you are shrinking violet, that's probably not very sexy. Probably not very sexy for a repetition. But if you pull out or put on a condom with confidence and a smile, if you get it in your head from that this is sexy, then it's likely to be perceived as sexy. If you feel sexy in it and it's sexy to you, it's going to be to someone else. To everyone else, probably not, especially since there's absolutely nothing in the world that is sexy to absolutely everyone. But I have two words for them. Fuck them. People who claim their own sexuality in a real way and feel confident in it, which includes taking care of themselves and insisting on the same from others, tend to be the people who both express feeling the most sex and who others perceive as sexy. Uh, okay, I'm still going on time. 10, because I love you. I hope that at this stage of my career as an educator, it's obvious that the primary reason I do what I do is simply out of love for all of you. The beliefs are non-existent, the pay blows chunks, and sometimes I have to take a whole lot of shit from people who think I'm Satan incarnate for helping out with sexuality. If I didn't love you and think that a good way for me to express that was by doing what I could do to help you take care of yourself and have a healthy, happy sexuality, I wouldn't do this job at all. Getting an STI is really the end of the world. While a couple are literally deadly serious, most are treatable, most will not have that great an impact on your life if you find out you have one early and get treated. But I don't want you to be sick. I don't but I don't want you to be sick if you can avoid it. If it can be avoided. I don't want you to have to deal with the negative feelings around the STI that are tough to avoid in a world that really stigmatizes STIs and the people who have them. I don't want you to have to get extra pap smears to have to endlessly experiment with new drugs for HIV or to have to tell a potential partner you have a genital herpes outbreak. I'll support you if you do, and know that I don't think anything different about you than I think about someone who has the flu or leukemia, but whatever I can do to help prevent it in the first place is something I want to do. I know that if you just don't have 
sex that you are even less likely to get an STI than if you use condoms. But I don't just tell you not to have sex because A, I know that most people once they're into or past puberty will have and want a sexual life with partners. B, I think that sexuality is part of who we are, can be a great part of our lives. And C, I know that you can reduce your risk of unwanted consequences very well and still be sexual and that's what you want. I also know that a truly great sex life includes protecting yourself and others as best as you can from negative or unwanted consequences of sex. I know from my work and my own sexual life how much more enjoyable and less stressful sex is when you're safe and smart about it. Not having to worry about the complications of an infection, about giving an infection to someone else, or about taking huge risks with, with infection is nice. It's much less stressful than the alternative. It's often amazing to me. As someone who has had more sexual partners than most of you ever will, given general generational differences, to talk with many of you who are terrified about the risk you've taken after the fact within sexual lifestyles and scenarios that are comparatively more conservative than mine have been, but far less safe as fair as protecting your sexual health goes. I don't panic after sex, and that's not because I have some secret or don't care about the bad shit that can happen, you know, the bad stuff. I don't panic because I know I can keep myself very safe and still have the sex I want to, and I have more than two decades of doing so to look back on and see how well that's worked. I can see the same with the people I work with as users or clients in my sexual health work. When it comes to sexuality, here's what I want for the people I love. I want it to be great for them and anyone they are sexual with. No shit, no crap. I want them to feel good about their sexual lives, not scared, freaked out, panicked, or upset. I want them to stay healthy. I want them to feel empowered by their sexual choices, whatever they are. And I'm not sure how all of them can happen if and when anyone is taking necessary risk or avoiding asking for and insisting on sexual partners treating them with care, which certainly includes not exposing them to illness when that can be avoided because I love you if and when you want a sex life with others. I want you to have one that is wonderful and enjoyable, but also as safe as it can be so that it can keep on being wonderful and enjoyable. I love you, so I want you to use condoms and other barriers if you're going to be sexually active and to chillax with the genital sex that that presents possible STI risk if you can't. It's just that simple sometimes. You can have genital sex, just keep it protected. That's all. A safer sex wrap-up. Safer sex is a group of practices of which condoms slash latex barrier uses one part. The standard guidelines for safer sex suggested by public health agencies are that any two or more people who are new partners use condoms or other latex bears for all vaginal, anal, and slash oral sex for at least six months, and only ditch them if you want to after each has had a new round of testing for all, for all STIs with negative results, and those two people have been sexually exclusive for six months. If you and slash or a partner didn't have previous sexual partners for any genital sex of any kind, or it's been longer than those six months since either or both of you did, then if you get tested straight away with negative results, if you had no partners to test it when it's been more than six months since a previous partner, then your risks are already very low. That doesn't mean after all that you'll have no risk, rather it means that so long as you both stay sexually exclusive afterward, at that point your risks are likely very minimal. To completely eliminate our risk of STIs, we need to not have sex with anyone ever. I'm not encouraging you to do that. In fact, I'm encouraging you to have sex responsibly. We need to avoid the non-sexual behaviors that can transmit some infections like like IV drug use. We also need to avoid sharing towels and linens, kissing our Aunt Mabel who has the cold sore sometimes, and a whole bunch of other things very few of us who live outside of her a hermetically sealed bubble will be able to avoid. Very few people will not have sex with anyone in a lifetime. Most young adults will also have at least one sexual partner before their 20s. If we're going to be sexual with partners to reduce our risk and make 
oral, vaginal, and slash or anal sex, genital sex to safer. We need to use latex barriers, get tested and treated if we have any infections, limit our number of sexual partners. Again, you can have partners. It could be a lot, it could be a little, it could be in between. Just make sure they're partners of integrity and not partners who are living, breathing shitholes. You don't want human hell holes. Okay, doing just one or any of those things can help some, but it's all three of of those together that public health agencies make clear have been shown to be most effective. We have a much bigger piece of safer sex here. Um, okay, let me... You can also find out about how to use condoms properly here and find out what all your options are with condoms here. Have questions? Come over to our message boards and we're glad to talk things over with you. Um, wait, I'm almost done. Here are some reasons some Scarleton fans say they use condoms. I saw that going without condoms is dangerous because of the risk of STIs, and I realized that a caring, loving part would never put me at risk like that or put me through that emotional torture of not knowing and worrying. Because my demographic has the highest rate of STDs in the country, I accidentally on purpose letting a guy get a glimpse of the condoms I had on hand is one way of giving my consent engaging his because I care because I didn't want to get anything from him or, or, or unknowingly give something to him. I think unwanted children and potentially lethal STDs are among the most effective and easily avoidable ways to fuck up my life, mess up my life, because using protection is just plain sexy because I have the knowledge, ability, and access to technology that greatly reduces transmission of STIs. Therefore, it is irresponsible and grossly negligent not to use those technologies, especially since they are, they are available so cheaply, if not for free, to those of us in developed nations. Okay. So that pretty much... Um, concludes this episode and the best way for me to, to conclude this episode for sure is to um, that's why I'm still thinking is to tell you that um, every word in this article that Heather Karina wrote I strongly agree and I strongly um, personally do in my personal sex life. And that I make sound sexual choices all the time. My partners do too. We engage in sexual sex mind. We engage in sexual sound mindedness together. Um, We have healthy partnered sex. And lastly, we have a we have wholesome sex, we have whole sex, we're sexually whole people. And lastly, I want to say that I am naturally non-monogamous. In the other episode I told you I'm naturally promiscuous. I'm also naturally non-monogamous. I am naturally uh, a casual sex person. And it's natural for me to be all the above in 
ethical, responsible, and mindful manners. And that pretty much sums up what I wanted to tell you. So thank you for hearing me out.